0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. Well, thank you.
1: We want of night from the post rest in sight. A heap you lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubble. We hear from John and Wait. Tay. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the buck stops here, yeah, this thing might blow. Everything you hear are opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Dynamite with John Pollock and Wei Ting. Hey, what's up, John? How you doing? I was going to ask, how's your Wednesday? But this is not the first time we've talked today, so how's your Wednesday night?
0: Watched a wrestling show, yeah. Um, you know, I had some chicken. <laughs>
2: oh, okay.
0: So I had some really, chicken yeah. as well. Yeah, okay, cool. It Really, I mean, you're... I mean, if you guessed a protein, it would probably be between three choices for most people. So, we landed on the same one today: chicken. All right.
2: Have you watched Hawkeye yet?
0: I have. Yeah, yeah. I have. Have you? Nope, not yet. I might. Okay. I might this weekend. Okay, try to catch up. Well, you're gonna have like four hours to catch
2: up on. Oh I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna race through them. I might start it. I might right. start it. I have. A, I have an opening now. Okay. Cool.
0: Cool. Succession
2: is over on Sunday, so I'm going to have a a second opening. I'm done Squid Game. I will be done Succession. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. I'll
2: find some new shows.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, It it was a good episode today, so I'll be talking about it with uh, WH and JoJo tomorrow.
2: Look out for that Thursday night for all patrons out there. Uh, This is our 45th show this week, so if you want to go catch up on the past 44, you can start with Rewind a Raw. Make your way through Ask Away, check out some daily news updates, and boom, you're all caught up to speed on everything going on in the world. Yeah, there's a lot. Um,
0: there's always a lot, and we'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock with me and Kate. So uh, I- I apologies if like the energy is a bit lacking on some of these starts. Cause we, what are you been, talking about? We've been talking all week. We've been talking every day. John and I just like, run out of things to talk about sometimes with, with these banter segments. So.
2: Yeah, now Uh, when I call up Way, he hangs up on me. It's very awkward. Well, I'll try to eat something
0: other than chicken. Maybe we can um, surprise each other (laughs) for Friday.
2: Well, we have uh, all of those shows that are up now as well. MCU Later will be up Thursday. Uh, Friday night, Rewind to SmackDown will also feature Mr. Ting and Kate from Montreal. And then Saturday, we have a double header here at the site. We will have a UFC 269 post show with Phil Chertok and Eric Marcotte, while patrons will get a bonus pay, uh, post-show with myself and Mike Murray reviewing ROH's final battle. Mm-hmm.
0: Also, in the morning on the free feed, it's another edition of the Long and Winding Ro- Royal Road with WH Park. I believe Dylan Fox is his guest this week. So, lots of content for you guys. And, of course, Wrestleonomics on Sunday.
2: Yes, so lots to talk about. Uh, I'm sure you guys, uh, you and Kate, will go more into the... Uh, the NXT ratings notes on on Thursday, but uh, not a great number. Some very, uh, very bad numbers of late for across the board. Like that, we can go back to Friday with SmackDown and Rampage. Rod did very poorly, and NXT. I was I was surprised they did not get any kind of bump, and it was uh, definitely on on the lower end of NXT's existence on USA.
0: I mean, people are doing other stuff. They're watching other things, not professional wrestling. Looks like.
2: Well, I briefly just wanted to talk a little bit about the passing of a Blackjack Lanza uh, because uh, that news uh, came out today. Passing away at the age of 86, uh, obviously everyone will remember you know Blackjack Lanza, synonymous as a member of the Blackjacks with uh, Blackjack Mulligan, who died several years back as well. But uh, Jack Lanza, uh, he broke into the industry training under Vern Gagne. He came out of the University of Minnesota and started out early in his career as a babyface. And ended up getting uh, paired together. It was after, it was a singles run early on, where he was in uh, Dick the Bruiser and Wilbur Snyder's territory in Indianapolis. Uh, even challenged uh, Gene Kiniski for the NWA Championship on a pair of occasions in 1969. Actually wrestled Gene Kiniski to a 60 minute draw four days uh, before Kiniski's lengthy, lengthy title reign, multiple years, uh, ended just days later to uh, Dory Funk Jr. Uh, but it's in 1972 that he is paired with his most famous partner, Blackjack Mulligan, and the tandem is managed by Bobby Heenan. And they would wrestle many territories together, including Indianapolis, but they would go uh, to, to Montreal. They would go to Dallas and, of course, to the WWWF, where they became tag tag champions in 1975 and beat the team of Dominic DeNucci and Irish Pat Barrett, who just died, uh, like, a week and a half ago, so just crazy the the timing of of that and then the team essentially broke up in nineteen seventy five when uh in the Crockett territory there was the nineteen seventy five plane crash, and this ended the career. Of Johnny Valentine this was a very very famous story ending his in-ring career and he was like the main heel of the territory so George Scott the Booker uh, reached out and wanted to bring Blackjack Mulligan in for a singles run and thus the team broke up Uh, Lanza would go on to work in the AWA he teamed with uh, Bobby Duncombe and was still with Bobby Heenan as a manager in the AWA territory. And then, you know, continued on throughout his, his career worked a bit in a Georgia championship wrestling, winning their version of the television title. And then his second career was working in a behind the scenes capacity with the WWF as a road agent for years and years. This was a, up through and beyond the Attitude Era and into the 2000s. And you saw a lot of remembrances from people that worked with him closely in that capacity. Uh, Triple H put out a tweet today about his role as a as an agent. Um, you know, Jim Ross, Vince McMahon. There were lots of comments about uh, Black Jack Lanza, who was very, very much tied to the, uh, the fabric of the WWF. They put him into the Hall of Fame in 2006 alongside Mulligan at... Uh, a year that you and I went to the Hall of Fame ceremony. Way that was the one in Chicago uh, with with Bret Hart. So that was uh, the career of Blackjack and We'll uh, try and have a bit more up on the site in the uh, in the next day. But want to start off with uh, a bit about that. Eighty eighty six years of age. So somebody that I mean, most of his life dedicated to professional wrestling.
0: Uh, our condolences and thank you for that, John.
2: Uh, we're going to move on to Dynamite. A a very interesting show, I, I will I will say, where a lot of the I think interest of tonight's showway was how this crowd was going to react, and we were going to get a sample of that pretty much immediately. Uh, we're we're taking place from the UBS Arena on Long Island, and right off the top, it's Excalibur, Taz, and Tony Schiavone, and MJF's theme plays, and this place goes insane. Maxwell mm-hmm. Jacob Friedman is home but instead cm punk walks out to sheer hatred from this audience what did you think about this this very interesting technique that they used which was one that many people proposed mjf should have done at the united center in chicago coming out to punk's theme and here they almost like filed that like fan fiction away and saved it for this for punk to come out and be full on like a heel version of himself while still staying a baby face to everyone outside of long Island.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I think something like this is very much a, I don't know, a tried and true heel tactic. And it told you exactly what they were going to do off the bat, that they were going to lean in on portraying CM Punk as a heel in long Island tonight. And the reverse with MJF being the biggest hometown baby face this town has ever seen. And it worked perfectly. This crowd I mean, I you know, I think they were going to cheer MJF either way. The my big question was whether or not they were going to boo CM Punk. Um if Punk came out here strictly with his own music and cut a straight up babyface promo, I I would wonder whether or not this crowd would have booed him. Certainly, I don't think they would have I don't booed think him he would have much. got
2: anywhere like that. if he had just come out regular like they they obviously felt the need to have to play this theme to establish to the audience. It's OK to boo him. We want you to boo him.
0: Possibly. Yeah. Or they could have hijacked the segment and they could have turned on him anyway. Once he started to talk st- shit about MJF. Well, instead, yeah.
2: Once he got to that point.
0: Instead, they leaned in on, on it and just decided we're going to push CM Punk as a heel tonight. And I thought it, it was very effective.
2: He gets into the ring. This crowd, they're just hating this guy. And Punk goes, that's all you've got? Chicago is so much louder. And uh, were you aware that there's a hockey team that plays in this area of the country? I, I am aware, yes. The New York Islanders were the official punching bag of AEW On this particular night. And that is what CM Punk had here. He mocks the Islanders. Who have yet to win a game in this building. And he keeps asking the fans. Is this your guy? Referring to MJF. And pretty much putting over. All his despicable traits. And yet this crowd is behind him. And therefore you are all guilty by association. He takes off this hoodie. And he has a four pillars shirt. Featuring Britt Baker on it. But no mjf and says that he complimented baker for her accomplishments why does that have to be turned sexual and calls mjf an incel he wants to be as big as piper in portland he's not even as good as piper in hell comes to Frogtown. which i think <laughs> the crowd was almost like too loud for because i don't think it really got to i couldn't believe that he pulled like this reference uh out there. I thought it was a great line.
0: The the heat sounded so big and actually uh Brian Mann was in attendance. He he told me that um sometimes it was really hard to hear what the promos were.
2: It was um, uh, like at times hard to hear from our vantage point. I could only imagine in the building that some of the lines maybe just didn't land just because it was so loud in in that, you know, they might have even gotten more upset if they could hear everything.
0: Have you seen Hell Comes to Frogtown? Is it that no, bad?
2: No. And it hasn't been requested yet, thank God. The
0: the trailer looks pretty god-awful. I have not seen it either, but a great little reference here from Punk.
2: He then mentions how the Islanders just beat Ottawa. (laughs) (laughs) Saskatchewan and Ottawa references on pro wrestling programming within days of each other.
0: You know what? The the world's getting smaller and smaller. And yeah, yeah, Ottawa getting some love tonight. Well, not really,
2: but... you know what Punk kind of missed out on though? You know who beat the Islanders on Sunday? Who's that? Chicago. Okay. Anyway. This was a said, good line though. This was a good line because he compared the Islanders beating the Senators to him beating QT Marshall.
0: And so so the Ottawa Senators are the QT Marshall of the NHL? Damn, wow. I like I haven't been following hockey, but that tells tells you everything you need to know.
2: I mean, Eugene Melnick in wrestler form might be QT Marshall. Um Okay. Yeah. He says that MJF, he compares MJF to Dennis Rodman and that MJF is your worm, comparing Rodman to this person that people hated and then they and then became a fan of his when he came to the Bulls in in Chicago. I thought this was brilliant. It was a brilliant way of justifying
0: why CM Punk all of a sudden was being so nasty to these people in this city. He is strictly you know Number one, it's tremendously entertaining to see CM Punk play a heel. But number two, it still fits into the overall narrative because he, we, we've all had this experience. If you're a sports fan, you know wanting to cheer the person who you know is an asshole, but he is your asshole, and therefore it's it's right to cheer them at least you know in your vicinity. And so CM Punk absolutely made it made it understandable why he would be so mean tonight.
2: So Punk mentions how he wants to face the winner of Hangman Page and Danielson and assumes that MJF also wants the winner. So they have to fight. And the crowd is trying to drown him out. And he says how MJF stooped so low to bring Larry into all of this when Larry has more balls than MJF.
0: I, I, I You know, it was kind of hard to hear what they were cheering, but I, I think it sounded something like, fuck your pizza. Is Take
2: that what back. they were chanting? Because I couldn't make it out either.
0: I I could be wrong, but it's just a good chant though. (laughs) I mean, Chicago versus what? Long Island style pizza. I suppose it's,
2: it's New York style pizza. I can't speak on Long Island pizza. I've, I've never been Mm. technically uh, on Long Island. I've never been either. Yeah. Punk is at this dude. Punk is having the time of his life. Like he is laughing that he is just, (laughs) he Mm. is having so much fun uh, with this crowd. And says that the Islanders haven't won anything since nineteen eighty four. It was like the Islanders were just like the 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 mat to step on whenever he needed just another another shot.
0: Well, honestly, though, what else are you going to pick on? Like, what what else comes to mind for for Long Island? You know, it's 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 kind ty- of kind of difficult to to find these targets, and you have a team that that,
2: that right there is a pretty good promo way. <laughs> I just, don't have anything else to make fun of you because you don't have anything but this god awful hockey team. Listen,
0: I, I we're from we're from Canada, like we're we're kind of used to it, right? But I am looking at this like.
2: There, there's plenty to make fun of us though we we have a long list of sure stuff that people fine. can attack us finally. but
0: I'm looking at this record of this poor hockey team and he's absolutely right no Dude, Stanley the 80s Cook.
2: were a wonderful time like you you, but, you you pay it up front you know what you there's a price for that that incredible run they had and it turns true. out it's been three decades worth
0: yeah I know but how long are you gonna wait like this is almost as long of a drought as the Leafs you know and it's kind of like it, you become an easy target at that point 30 years
2: they had that awful uh, rebranding of their logo in the 90s. Remember that with the fisherman on the it? Long John Silver. Oh, they've gone. Or Captain horrible... Highliner, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel we're going to get a lot of a response. We're going to find out how many listeners we have uh, in this part of uh, uh, of New York. So he says that he doesn't want MJF to run like you do in Long Island, but instead to fight like we do in Chicago. And he's willing to fight MJF tonight. But if that's your guy who you back, then you're all chicken shit. And that's how he ended this.
0: Man, there were even shut the fuck up chants for CM Punk. And again, that's not something I really would have expected.
2: Even If 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 I had told you in September that there is going to be an episode of Dynamite where Danielson and Punk are going to be the most over heels in an AEW. Like before the end of the year, they're going to be there. (laughs) Like I think you could imagine that at some point I could see them both. But that quick that here we have both of them for at least one night where both were your, your one and two heels on the show.
0: Completely, totally. Uh,
2: but it, it's also not that
0: crazy because, you know, we're talking about an AEW crowd that I think knows that they are part of the show, you know, and, and knows that they are here to to give, I think, for, for the most part, intended reactions that the show demands. And it was clear from the beginning of the show that they were demanding that this crowd boo CM
2: Punk. So that um, that finished up the segment. It was it was a great opening segment. I thought it was like a lot of fun, and it was refreshing to not see this. Oh, we've got to we've got to fight the crowd, or we've got to send out MJF before the show to tell everybody the cameras aren't rolling. Don't don't embarrass me on TV. You know what I mean? Like they just they knew they were going to get this reaction, so let's just. Make the best of it. Like, sometimes the best receptions are when the crowd goes a different way, and it's totally logical why they would in this scenario. Like, this is our guy, and for one night, the roles are reversed, and next week, Punk will be a a babyface when they're in, in Texas, and you're right back on track, and we'll get into the MJF chapter of the show, but I thought they handled him tremendously well. It
0: also makes the location part of the attraction of a show. You know, it's it, it, these aren't cookie-cutter shows where one show is going to be, look the same, and if the crowd's not going to react the same, we're going to try to force them to react the same as any other crowd. No, just like in sports, you know, anytime you're in enemy, enemy territory... The dynamics are going to be a bit different, and and it makes in this case the performance is completely different on this certain night. You know we're seeing a, we could be seeing CM Punk versus MJF in a promo battle again, but they're going to take on different roles, with one being a heel and one being a babyface, depending on the crowd that's going to cheer for them. So it adds, I think, a really interesting dynamic as an exercise in professional wrestling performance. It's a lot more fun to see. So uh, this was another very memorable segment in a string of the, these in this program
2: so far. After the break, we have this tremendous video package where this Ferrari pulls up in and there's this elaborate voiceover explaining that the difference between a hero and a villain is perspective. As MJF emerges from this Ferrari in his uh, plain view bomber jacket, walks onto the football field. I mean, this thing looked like this looked like a, like a car commercial, like a high end Car commercial you'd see right before uh, the movie's about to begin. The whole place is chanting for MJF like this. Just if there was any uh, reluctance of the fan base of how are we supposed to react to this guy? This was as much of a a clear wink from AEW. Go absolutely insane for this dude, and that is what they did as he came out for the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal, and it it felt like where you took somebody. In the video game and you gave him like the top baby faces mannerisms and he just played a completely different character. He comes out. He's doing like he did the the punk entrance. He did the punk entrance where he's like wrapping his his uh, his wrists around. He's going up to the fans. He's slapping hands. It was just amazing to watch. In, there was one
0: moment. I mean, I don't know if this was part parody or or of the CM Punk Chicago entrance, or if, if this was just—it was but, totally parody where
2: he's on the knees.
0: Wait, wait, wait! But there was one moment when he walks out where, like, you almost got the sense that he had some real emotion in his face, looking at this crowd cheering for him. I mean, this was a home, a real homecoming for for the guy. I, I'm sure
2: I, this was like a huge night for him in in his career. That I'm sure he he took this in that this yeah. was. And it was just rare to see because this is a guy who, like
0: twenty four seven, feels like he stays in character so much and never really lets on that there's any any sort of like you know crowd reaction that really phases him. But there is a moment here where you could at least buy that he was genuinely feeling, you know the just just the, the this 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 wonderful hometown reaction.
2: Well, he. We we got a question on Ask Away about do you ever think that you could get a, a babyface run out of MJF and both of us were completely adamant a hundred percent this guy the,
0: the, look he was the most over babyface tonight you know so absolutely you already have the proof
2: like when when you have a hated villain it's it's the most easy turn that finally your fans are like allowed to have this guy on our side it's like the Dennis Rodman analogy is like it's it's a perfect one that yeah. it's like you may despise this player. When he's against you, but when he's he's getting all those rebounds for us and creating hell for everyone, it's like then we love this guy.
0: I mean, this is the WWE playbook of how they build baby faces. They're vanilla to start off with, with no character, and then they decide to turn them heel, and then they get an edge and they get uh, some authenticity attached to them, and the crowd wants to turn them baby face, and that's 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 what they do. Except now they they skip the whole babyface part, and
2: we just have a really hot heel. So what would you do? in this battle Royal way where your big villain is suddenly your big baby face. Now, how do we get the heat? <laughs> that's, that's a more complicated Great formula. Question. Like, do you beat this guy, but he's the villain in his hometown for the heat?
0: Um, you know, that's, that's a math problem. So complicated that, uh, I, I would leave it up to more capable hands.
2: Yeah. So the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal. The participants besides MJF are Dante Martin, Leo Rush, Matt Hardy, Lee Moriarty, Matt Seidel, Lee Johnson, Wardlow, Hobbs, Frankie Kazarian, Ricky Starks, and Jay Lethal. Uh, Sean Spears is also out there in the corner of MJF and Wardlow and saves MJF early on. We got a bunch of eliminations. Wardlow dumped out Moriarty, followed by Seidel. Uh, The bunny passed brass knuckles to Matt Hardy, who clocks lethal and throws him out just like nothing. Dante then shoves Matt out from behind and Leo rush confronts Dante Hobbs and Wardlow square off Hobbs ends up on the edge of the apron and Leo rush knocks him off with a, with a handspring. They go through the break. MJF is playing to the crowd and then he goes to hide behind Wardlow in the corner. Leo's trying to get to him and he is booed for his efforts. Rush and Lee Johnson then double drop kick Wardlow and send him to the apron. They're trying to get him out when MJF comes from behind. It's like the the Shawn Michaels diesel spot in the Royal Rumble. And MJF sends both of all three men over, including Wardlow. And then Spears has to play middleman here between Wardlow and MJF. I thought that was a really smart spot because I didn't think they needed to go all the way and make Wardlow and MJF the final two. That's way too early to do that. This was like the perfect advancement of that to continue this like simmering issue with Wardlow that maybe is going to happen quicker than we think. Perhaps.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the moment that they need to, they they can execute that turn at any point. Uh, but for now, it just kind of keeps it simmering.
2: MJF just ducks and Frankie Kazarian flies out of here like like Sean Stasiak. And then it's Starks and Dante of Team Taz left with MJF. Dante takes off the armband for Team Taz. He turns on Starks, tosses him out. Taz is on commentary. He's pissed. MJF celebrates. They shake hands. There's a chant that is led by MJF. And uh, Dante does shake his hand. Um, before we get to the post-match, uh, what did you think mainly about how MJF was used here and also having Dante uh, already uh, turn on Team Taz?
0: Well, I, I thought as a battle role, I actually found it pretty entertaining. You know, I think AEW battle rolls have really come a long way since the, the first pre-show that we saw for for that pay-per-view. And I, I feel like they're a whole lot more organized right now. And of course, it helps when you have characters that are a lot more uh, you know, uh, ingrained in in the audience and stories that are a lot more um, captivating than than the non stories that that we had in some of those first Battle Royals. But I felt like they they did a good job of like you know continuing to build the Team Taz Leo Rush rivalry. Um, I was surprised at how fast we got this Dante Martin Martin turn. I mean, it feels like as fast as we got him the turning to join Team Taz, we got the resolution of it immediately here. This was two weeks, if that. I mean what was it like I, I i i can't even keep track of it and that's also to say that i don't think about it that much you know i think it's largely been a pretty ineffective story mini story um that I don't know how many people bought in the first place. And then I I didn't think this turn was all that like it was not that big of a holy shit moment. Um, In fact, it just felt like they got to it too soon. And as far as MJF goes, I mean, you know, anytime he had the advantage, it was really fascinating to see like, you know, this crowd would be cheering for Leo Rush. But as soon as he went to try to throw MJF over the top, they were immediately booing leo rush so anytime he had the ball so to speak in terms of attention in this in this battle royal this crowd was like really coming alive i was ultimately a little disappointed that like there wasn't a bigger moment for mjf here because the nature of this battle it indicates that the final two go on to have the match rather than having somebody actually win something you know like concretely coming out of this and for as big of a stage as i think mjf had I, I didn't think it would have been such a bad idea to move that match up tonight so that you would have both the Battle Royal and an actual outcome for the match in, in front of this cra- wonderful crowd.
2: Yeah, th- this is a tough concept, this version of the Battle Royal, because, yeah, you don't have that climactic winner. It's the final two, and that's how it has to end. So it's, it's a tough way to end a match. But I, I thought at least I guess they gave people the turn here by Dante, and ultimately MJF was you know front and center throughout all of this. Uh, Starks comes back and attacks Dante and as MJF's going up the ramp he's looking back he's looking should I help him? No. He walks up hesitates again and then finally sprints down and the crowd is just so excited at his ethics being (laughs) on display and he confronts Ricky Starks gets right into their face and then both men proceed to double team and stomp Dante. Punk runs down tons of boos MJF bails and uh, Punk gets into Stark's face, helps up Dante, and we get an enziguri by Dante into the GTS as uh, Punk uh, kind of helps up Dante here to end the segment. And that was our involvement of MJF and Punk for the night.
0: Seeing MJF play with that tension, you know, as he was waking his way up the ramp and then deciding to throw, run back down and then turning again uh, was a whole lot of fun to watch. Do, do you think we get to, uh, a tag team match for this? And when?
2: Yeah, because I'm I'm thinking Punk and MJF. I think the date I would aim to to put that one on would be the first TBS show. I'd do that January fifth. That would be my mm. my pick. So mm. in that me in the meantime, I think, yeah, we could do the tag and this that seemed like the whole purpose of of this to come out where Punk's got an ally and MJF has you know, Sean Spears or or you could, or you could use Ricky Starks. Even you could have him uh, involved in this temporarily.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. That's what I I would think. You could even be a six man, you know, with some of the other players from like team Taz or whatever. Right. uh, Involved as well.
2: Jungle boy, Luchasaurus and varsity blondes against the acclaimed and 2.0. Christian comes out. He whispers some advice to jungle boy and Luchasaurus. And then he just heads to the back. Very, very short night of work for Christian. Uh, Julia Hart. She'd have plenty tonight. Uh then the acclaimed are out. Max gets a pop because he's from Long Island and says they're gonna take an L like the Islanders. <laughs> These poor Islanders. At this point, I, I just God have mercy on this poor team. Again, I'm t- trying to tell you like how many targets are there?
0: Does Long Island have, you know?
2: Obviously it's, not too many. It uh I didn't need any more Islanders insults after but, this. So wait a second. So he is the hometown guy. Yeah, he's, <laughs> like he's in front of the he team. hates his own
0: team. <laughs> Okay, all right, yeah, I uh, mean toron- Torontonians make fun of like um uh you know whatever team we have that's not doing so well at the time
2: i I always loved the one that that Jericho did here here in Toronto when he was in w c w and he came down and he just said about it's so great to be back home walking down queen street he's like all the easy things naming all the (laughs) landmarks and everyone pops like oh my god he knows that street name and he says it made me look up into the beautiful sky and think to myself god i'm glad i moved to florida and it was just (laughs) being in the arena that night it was like it was an awesome like just pull the carpet out from under everyone at the end Mm -hmm. so the the match oh and he finishes the promo the the rap by stating that jungle boy still can't cut a promo. Will run your bitch ass your bitch ass out of town like Cuomo.
0: I'm very timely.
2: Garrison uh hits a dive over the top, and then they lift up uh they lift Castor up for a high drop kick from Pillman. Uh, and then they got the heat on Pillman for a long time. The crowds chanting for Luchasaurus, and finally, uh Pillman blasts through the acclaimed. Uh like, you know when you'd play, like, Red Rover? That's, like, what he did here. He just ran through the arms here and broke the grip. I don't think I ever played that. Did you ever pre- play that? We played a lot of violent games in, in school. Did you ever play... Did you ever hear of uh, of uh, Red Wall? Which was... Uh, when when the teachers were around, it was called Red Wall. When they were gone, it was called Red Ass.
0: Oh, okay. No, never, never heard of it. What is it?
2: You'd throw the ball against the wall, and... Everyone would try to catch it, and it's like you'd get a point if you caught it, but if you dropped it, the ball, you get a letter. And if you ended up spelling red ass, it's such a terrible game. I don't know why we were allowed to play it or anyway. So the loser, there would be one loser who would have to stand up against the wall, put his back towards everyone, and each player got a chance to whip <laughs> the tennis ball. It was a tennis ball as hard as they could at your ass. That's worse yeah it was like not if we were good. talking like
0: a like a vot voight <laughs> ball like i'd probably read i mean dodgeball
2: itself is a violent game is yeah it not? yeah but anyway but red ass wow yeah. okay yeah and the, the game wasn't always good some people would like just hit kids in like you know the back hopefully not the head terrible don't play this game uh jungle boy goes for the snare trap when uh Daniel Garcia is getting on the apron. Eddie Kingston is out in his DMX hoodie. This was a nice hoodie.
0: Sure. Yeah. Okay.
2: He yanks down Garcia. The crowd's going nuts for Kingston. Caster misses a mic drop, is put in the snare trap, and submits to Jungle Boy in 852. Then Eddie Kingston is waving the cameraman to the back uh, where he's with Ortiz. And unfortunately, we got an Eddie Kingston promo that no one could hear. There was no audio attached to this. Then Garcia and 2.0 attack. And I'm sure this would have come off much better if we had heard the promo, but this was just a technical nightmare.
0: Yeah, unfortunate. Unfortunate. Maybe, um, I don't know, somebody with some backstage cell phone footage might have caught it, but um, maybe just a bit of miscommunication there on the technical side of things. But Maybe uh,
2: maybe 2.0 on their show can say how they... Uh, they, <laughs> they can subtitle they, it. Yeah, they can... Uh, Say that they, they screwed dub it over, yeah, with the the team.
0: Yeah, uh, I I love the fact that we're just getting Santana and Ortiz teaming with Eddie Kingston. I I think it references a lot, a lot of the history that you know most audiences may have seen or or at least would be understandably aware of. Um, and no real explanation needed, like they're friends.
2: Well, well none know. was given, way, yeah. <laughs> not by choice, but we True. got no explanation.
0: Yeah, but okay, cool. 2.0 and Daniel Garcia versus Kingston and Santana Ortiz. That sounds awesome.
2: FTR and Tully Blanchard. Uh, Blanchard says how they're going to become two-time AEW tag champions and mention their win on Saturday in Monterey. The Lucha Brothers have never beaten them. The only time they did, it was a fluke and the wrong man was pinned. Uh, That being a reference to Full Gear. And they state that this Friday night, it's the biggest match of their career. And for Dax Harwood, this is going to pay for his mortgage and take care of Christmas. So a lot at stake on Friday. Uh, I don't want to boo this man. he got a wa- mortgage on the I, line. I want him and his family to have a wonderful Christmas. So I think yeah. that does kind of uh, sway things in the on the side of uh, FTR here. Well, Christmas is
0: probably on the line for the Lucha Brothers as well. You know? Uh, so who that gets would to that ce-
2: would probably be a more interesting step than than even like the tag titles or two, this is not two out of three falls this is just one fall to a finish mm-hmm. for the tag titles. Who on gets Friday. to
0: celebrate? It should have been the yeah Christmas. The stipula- it should have been this Christmas on a pole ladder match on, on last weekend.
2: Uh, it, it could have been. Yeah, just have like a. They
0: should be fighting for uh, the right to eat al pastor. <laughs> they should be restoring the right to eat
2: al pastor. That should be on what's on the line. We need less stipulations in pro wrestling, I think. Yeah. I think that's maybe the answer. The Young Bucks versus Chuck Taylor and Rocky Romero. This turned into a incredibly entertaining match and and a huge payoff at the end as well. Mm-hmm. So um, Rocky Romero was in for a, for a lot of the early going here with, with both members of the Bucks. Uh, Chuck Taylor landed a tope con hero, and then he's just laughing his way down the ramp right into a double super kick. Uh, the Bucks then... Uh, Audition for Kid Street doing the overhead clap. And this set up their spot where they slide to the floor and kiss Adam Cole on the cheek. Uh, they go through picture-in-picture. Picture. Were you a Kid Street viewer? No, I, love I wasn't. that show. No, oh, no. my God.
0: I was not playing Red Ass nor uh, watching Kid Street.
2: I can't believe you did not watch Kid Street.
0: <laughs> I, I I don't even know. Like, was it a Canadian show? Or? Is, is anyone in the chat room Kid Street viewers? Kid Street chat room. Anybody?
2: I guarantee you Brandon's seen it. Is it, you got to it, watch the show. Was, it was Th- a- but this was, the, they would do the clap. They would clap. They'd always have to clap with their hands above their head. And it always was the silliest looking clap, but mm. they always did it that way. Well, I, I mean, you want to,
0: it looks better on camera, I suppose, you know, maybe when you're trying to instruct an, an audience to clap, you, you would clap over. They
2: it. were also in cars. So there might've been a, um, a logistical issue of like where to place your arms and get optimum clapping. Was this the like C-
0: CBC show? I want to say global. It was on global, I think. Oh, okay, global. No. I don't I I never saw it. I might have not even been in the country when that was here. What about the You remember Kidio?
2: I I saw Kidio in person when I was like you 7. You saw Kidio in yeah, person? Yeah, my Damn. mom took me to see Kidio. K I D E O. We are Kidio. <laughs> Those dudes scared the shit out of they, me. They they dude, they were Holy. scary looking. I I actually when when I first saw them I thought that they were that they were kiss and then yeah I think that's some, somehow for. I was aware of kiss when I was seven and when I saw them I thought like there was some like this must be kiss like there's four of them uh this is just like different makeup
0: yeah it was like the multicolored kiss you know the yeah. red gr- red green and blue kiss yeah no they were scary as hell was it two was it three or four of them it was red ble- blue and green okay so it was three of them I wonder or if those guys still have careers like they they could pass for like a real like you know death metal band right now, looking like this. <laughs> Let me see
2: here. Like, dude, Kidio in concert, 2014 is what comes up. To, uh, 2017, wow. there's a video. Uh, this is like a re- retro Ontario video.
0: How do we know it's this is the genuine Kiddyo? Do you
2: do you know what Kidio stood for? Oh, it's an acronym. I had no idea. What is no, it? it's not, it's not a good acronym actually. Um, Kidio Kiddyo TV. So. It's a syndicated anthology packaging.
0: Uh, Buddy Goodfellow on bass, Ace Manners on guitar, and PJ
2: Styles on drums. PJ Styles. PJ (laughs) Styles. Oh my goodness! Yeah. All right. There you go. I I I don't think Kiddyo is uh, playing at any any local gyms as as we speak. But uh, there you go. That's your deep dive for the evening, listeners. Uh, Back to the Young Bucks and Taylor and Romero. So uh, after the Forever clotheslines, uh, Romero. he was just great here. Uh, double Rana to the Bucks, then a leaping one off the steps to Nick. Matt does the rolling northern lights, but on the last one, Romero turns it into a tornado DDT. Cutler's in with the cold spray, and with the referee distracted, Adam Cole enters, Cassidy comes from behind, and again with the limp kicks that do nothing, and he's just like there sitting prey for a Nick super kick, and he's just taken out. Yeah, like these past couple of weeks, they've really just... I mean
0: Orange Cassidy has has always been a very tongue-in-cheek character, of course, but like he's at least like not just taken damage for like little effort. I mean, or at least for for no like he's he's put up more of a fight in the past, you know, in the past couple weeks it just feels like he's just walking in on, on these attacks and the, almost the kinda...
2: AEW version it's always that he is trying to mess with you with like yeah. his offense. In this, it's like what is the purpose of this? You're coming from behind a guy and doing the weak kicks, and then you're just sitting and pray, and it just, like, he comes off like he's outsmarted himself. He, he is
0: often, I mean, often he is, he creates the punchline. But in the past couple of weeks, it feels feels like he is the punchline. You know, he's sort of like the the, the comedy, guy, like the. I realize what's coming out of my mouth, and I'm talking about Orange Cassidy, and it sounds ridiculous. But I do no, know but it, a, dude, they, like difference.
2: it is, like it's a character that uh, like there is a consistency to it. Like they they have like a an, a reasonable explanation of like why he does this stuff in the body of a match and they don't have the guy sell for the kicks either um he's he's
0: usually smarter like it's usually somewhat part of a strategy in the past couple weeks he's just kind of come out he's getting outsmarted yeah exactly yeah Yeah. so
2: it's an interesting change so um taylor and cassidy are both taken out with super kicks romero ducks and brandon cutler sprays the cold spray into matt's eyes chucks back with a pile driver jackknife cover near fall Sliced Bread gets stopped. Matt has him up for the tombstone and then runs into Nick and Romero turns into a backslide. This crowd went insane. They totally believe the best friends are going to beat the Young Bucks here. And then there's a pump handle back into the tombstone position. The Bucks finally hit the Meltzer driver with Matt pinning Romero. But this was a super entertaining match. It really was.
0: I mean, anytime you get the Bucks, of course, in, in one of these matches, um, it's bound to be, you know, really high quality, really fun match. But uh, for me, it was definitely more so the, the post-match that I think will be remembered coming out of this.
2: Yes, so Cole and the Young Bucks continue to attack. Cole is stomping down Cassidy. Wheeler Yuta runs in. He gets leveled with a super kick. Panama Sunrise is hit to Cassidy, and as they set up for the BTE trigger, suddenly the Best Friends music plays, and they're all looking around. They're all out here. The minivan appears. Sue drives out Trent, a man that was doing media this week stating, I don't know when I'll be back. I've just got to wait. I've got to wait for uh, this uh, this neck to rehabilitate itself. And there is Trent who gets out shaved head. It's got the uh, the Kendall Roy look and he is back from neck fusion surgery. How do we know he's back from neck fusion surgery? Dude hits a spear his very first match back. This guy has more bravery than I, I would ever have in this field. If I if I got my neck done, spear is the last thing I'm doing. That one's gone. That one's off the list. Yeah, but it's, hey. like,
0: it's like getting on a bike, I suppose, you know? You, yeah. you, you <laughs> it's
2: like, you like the, it the, 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 like the Brian Danielson one when he told uh, Luke Harper to give me this half and half. I got to test this neck out. Mm-hmm. He cleans house. This crowd's going insane and they have this shot of Sue watching from the ramp with Chris Statlander and then they do the hug. Everyone goes insane. This was awesome. This was just a fantastic return and one that nobody I think expected. Yeah. Like certainly. this guy was literally he was like on bar stool. Like Andrew has like the transcript of it where he's I don't know when I'll be back. And I don't think anyone was really thinking at all about the idea of him coming back. Anytime well,
0: this soon. this sort of neck surgery. When would when was he out? Do you remember, John, off the top of your head? I can't
2: remember the exact month,
0: but but I mean, I I had no mental timeline for you know when he was set to come back. Nor was I you know actively thinking about it all that much. But uh, I certainly didn't expect it tonight. July, I also, July. Okay, so I mean, that's
2: that's that a crazy like that turnaround, dude. Neck fusion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So either the technology has gotten really good, or this man is has incredible recuperator powers, or. Or maybe it was you know, a slightly different type of fusion than what we had in the past. But uh, a much earlier return than I think you and I have expected. And the man looks great with a shaved head. Looks way better with a shaved head. You know, like than the bandana thing he had going on. Um, looks, to me, actually looks like... And, and clearly has been working out as well as part of his rehabilitation, of course. Uh, he feels... He looks a lot more like, I would say, a top star. You know, looking like this. So... I didn't know this guy was from Long Island, too. Like, how many people are from Long
2: Island on this roster? It's like Dude, half the roster from Long, Long Island. It's like all the guys from, like, uh, Create-A-Pro, you know? Brian yeah. Myers and Pat Buck, they've got, like, a whole army of guys. There you go. So there you go. I found that there, June 26, he put out the tweet that he had had uh, cervical, sp- cervical spinal fusion, as uh, Michael wow. Sampson put it. So there you go. Yeah. Um, he is back. Yeah, this was a great segment. Really, really worth uh, checking out. Match and the post-match. Alex Marvez interviewed Ruby Soho, who was confronted by The Bunny and Penelope Ford, and said that they were told that after Nyla Rose wins the title, that the two of them will be first in line for title shots. So this has somehow set up a a challenge where Ford, The Bunny, and Nyla will take on Ruby and two friends on Rampage, uh, but she has no friends. She's Ruby Solo, as they laugh and Ruby starts to fight, and then Nyla appears and drops Ruby and gets saved by Ty Conti and Anna J wielding chairs.
0: So, presumably, those are the match. That the, is the match the, on Friday. Yes. Those are
2: the friends, I mean. Yes, she's got friends. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Shivani's with Sammy Guevara in front of the crowd and gets interrupted by Cody Rhodes, who was just hated on this show. I don't know if there was
0: one interview that went off without an interruption on this show
2: not not often no one is you know maybe that is uh what should be at stake uh, uh you get 5 minutes uninterrupted if you win like this next tournament how
0: about an interview like on the roof or like with a close inside a closed ro- door room or something you know
2: yeah they should send in their promos like take them in advance like Malachi Black so you know you're not going to get interrupted true right unless the audio is not working so uh Cody comes out uh his arm looks absolute an absolute mess like yeah like it not I, it I not, can't imagine what his back looks like like we saw the oh, first the one photo of it i can't imagine what it looks like 7 days later there's there's something very different looking
0: about you know a, a wrestling scar maybe a welt from a kendo stick and a burn mark and this dude had like oh i just continue to ask why honestly like why um anyway
2: Tony Khan made it official that Sammy's next defense of the title for his open challenge will be against Cody. And Cody just leans in and says, good luck kid. And <laughs> yeah, they get interrupted.
0: <laughs> well, hold on before that. Um, Cody comes out here and he had the line saying from one good guy to the next. And then he actually teased walking through the heel entrance before he turned around and walked back up the baby face entrance. So, Definitely continuing to play with those expectations.
2: I really wish that after all of this, it comes down to which exit ramp you take off the stage <laughs> yeah. that confirms it.
0: It's not something I always pay attention to, but I suppose there is some consistency with it. And Cody deliberately referencing it um, tells you that, I don't know, we'll, maybe we'll get confirmation somehow.
2: Does Cody always come out of like the one designated for the baby phase? Because he usually is like right there. He He has his own special entrance. True, you're right. Yeah, but which one does he walk back in? See, I, I'm not. I, I'm not going to feel guilty that I do not follow like meet. which way they exit. I, <laughs> I I don't make enough to care about that detail.
0: No, I don't either.
2: So, Somebody Ethan would, Page please. and Scorpio Sky are in the. Did you have any more on on the no. promo? Okay, so they're laughing in the crowd uh, about how Cody is jumping the line and. What happened to Ethan Page's title match? uh, Because he had to jump through all these hoops to get a title match. But he's not an EVP and basically says that Cody kisses Tony Khan's ass. Dan Lambert was the one who got me my title shot, and Dan Lambert is coming back. Sky then accuses Sammy of not facing top guys in the top five, and you need to prove that you're a champion. So... It looks like uh, Sammy Guevara has no less than like three matches set up for this TNT title.
0: Yeah, this part, I mean, well, the big match, of course, is Cody versus Sammy Guevara for the Christmas show, and that's worth mentioning at this point. But, but did, is, did
2: they state it's for the Christmas show? Uh,
0: that's, I think, that's what Cody said on Christmas.
2: From, oh, okay, yeah. I missed that line. That's important.
0: Yeah. Um, but you know, like, is the page match going to be a, a a title defense too, or or just a match? I, I mean, if he's ranked, shouldn't it be a title? match
2: yeah i i mean i kind of got the impression here it'd be scorpio sky um although, oh was it sky
0: w- sorry. we're totally screwed i mean up they here, both
2: right? they both did promos here
0: um i mean i but it was I Page don't... complaining about not getting the shot or not getting but, but he did get them. a
2: shot uh, he said he he had to go through all these hoops to get it you're right um, okay okay so i don't i mean i got a shot and he it. lost yeah. and neither of these two are even in the top five as i'm looking this up so oh sorry scorpio Sky's number three so yeah that would okay. make sense scorpio sky all right. Um, then we had a feature on Thunder Rosa and Jade Cargill building up their uh, TNT title match or TNT tournament match. And that takes us to Jamie Hayter against Riho. Baker is in the corner along with Rebel and is attacking Rio behind Aubrey's back. Rio comes back with a Tiger faint kick and a high cross as Hayter has to regroup on the floor. But Rio doesn't want to give her the opportunity to regroup. So she climbs up to the top and goes for a high cross to the floor. Jamie Hayter completely misses the catch. This poor woman, Riho just bounces off of her and lands on the floor. And then Hayter just has to lift her up and drives her into the post. I mean, it just looked awful.
0: It did, yeah, yeah. I mean, it did play into the story, though. You know, why would you want to break your opponent's fall if they're falling? Let them fall down, then you can pick them up and
2: drive them into the post afterwards. This, this was just like this was like watching Rio jump at a wall <laughs> and much, yeah. just crumble to the floor. So Hater is just beating her down, is attacking the back, and then Rio lands a double foot stomp to slow down Hater. But again, it's Hater going back with a brain buster at one point she lifts her up and hits the nastiest backbreaker over her knee. Rio's just tremendous at selling and she's just so tiny that you just it's it's a tremendous dynamic that works against anyone because she is she is tinier than anyone in this division.
0: But especially somebody like Jamie Hater who I think like wrestles a powerhouse style really well and you know she she looks that much bigger and her wrestling is that much like is that good you know in order to make her her moves probably look a lot more devastating than they probably feel but both of these had uh, together were were fantastic
2: rio mounts a comeback with a flying knee and a code red for a near fall hits a double foot stomp off the top for another near fall and then rebel grabs riho stopping her on the turnbuckle riho capitalizes as but as they're fighting on the turnbuckle riho turns it into a avalanche crucifix bomb and follows with the running knees and wins the match um this turned into a really good match um especially uh down the end here
0: i totally agree i thought it was fantastic you know and rio rio sold the victory crying afterwards this was not a title match you know this was not even a, a match against the champion which she had the last time this was against the champion's friend but yet it felt so hard-earned and the match, I think, was so convincing in its devastation that you can justifiably understand why she would cry after this. It felt like that it felt like this title match that she 's about to get is that much more earned um, and I thought she through this match gained a whole lot of crowd attention behind her ahead of the title challenge. Jamie Hader did a great job you know she both of these two continue to really impress me but Jamie Hader, since her you know inclusion into the company lately I think has is really like uh, above much of the pack in this in this company as far as her ability and, and talent goes uh, but these two are great together you know one an awesome powerhouse with great versatile moves and the other arguably the best underdog in the entire division who is able to make all those big moves look so good. So it was a really easy to understand David Goliath story. And I thought it was really well
2: executed. And then Rio with tears coming down her face, told the crowd that I am so incredibly honored to be one of the rare people that can call themselves a winner in this building. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, that would have been great. Because <laughs> uh. the Islanders are terrible. Yeah. Uh, Baker attacks Riho, applies the lockjaw, and says she will never be champion again. So, uh, I'm looking forward to this match when they finally do it. Whether it's Battle of the Belts or beforehand. I mean, I feel like Battle of the Belts would make sense, don't you? I think so. Like, it's... You would want a women's championship match on there. I don't know how this battle of the belts is is quite going to work.
0: Yeah, is it one hour? Like, st- still slated to be one hour? At this
2: it point? looks like they have not officially said it's an hour, but it's like it seems like they are at least working on that. I would say at the it, like it's its own live event. It's not like they're going to be taping this in advance. So right. regardless, I would imagine they're going to do. Like, they'll stream uh, on top of it, and then if they have to only have an hour, then you go live for an hour. But I'm sure it's going to be like a whole, you know, three-hour show. Mm. So here's the upcoming matches that we've got for Rampage on Friday. The Lucha Brothers against FTR with Christmas on the line. Nyla Rose, The Bunny, and Penelope Ford against Ruby Soho, Ty Conti, and Anna J, and Adam Cole against Wheeler Yuta. But forget about all of that. Even with Christmas at stake the main event of the year taz announces fuego del sol one on one with hook on
0: rampage you think these ratings are slipping in professional wrestling everybody hook is about to save professional wrestling during the holidays okay we the, the 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 industry is going to come alive once again um no, seriously, though, like he is a bit of a meme, you know, on the Internet. But there is, I would say, genuine anticipation for what this kid is about to look like. And I'm, I am hearing from a live report from a friend, Brian Mann, that was there who is saying he looked impressive. So I'll, I look forward to the match even more now. Did you hear
2: what his tagline is that Taz gave him? Yes, I did. It's great. He is all that
0: <laughs> and a bag of chips. Love it. Love it. Um, I think they're We're very clearly aw- <laughs> right. They are very clearly aware of, I think, whatever um, momentum online that this this kid has. They're making a big deal out of his debut, and now it's up to the performer hook himself to you know prove whether or not he is just a joke of a meme or if he's an actual star in the making in the future. Um, and I think they're going to try everything they can to try to make him more of the latter and. and 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 be treated as a serious wrestler. So I'm I'm curious.
2: Then they go into the announcement confirming their next pay per view. Revolution will be on Sunday, March the sixth from the Edition Financial Arena. And they're going to do a whole weekend. They'll do a live rampage on March the fourth, a fan fest on March fifth, and then the pay per view on Sunday night with tickets going on sale next week. So it is a long way until the next pay per view. Yeah, yeah, it is. And winter is coming. Hangman Page, Brian Danielson, MJF against Dante Martin for the ring, and Serena Deeb versus Hikaru Shida that they had a video preview for. So three matches announced thus far, and I'm very curious to see how long Hangman and Danielson goes.
0: Oh, man. Uh, what do you think, 30
2: at least? I think, it, I think it has to go at least 30. I think so, too. Do you think he- it's it's possible they start the show with it? Yes. Especially if they wanted to, like, go a draw. You're right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, And they could come back with the match at Battle of the Belts or or any other show. Okay, I didn't think about that.
0: Yeah, interesting.
2: Shivani is out with the Varsity Blondes and Julia Hart. That should have been your tip-off that an angle is coming. (laughs) Because they don't even get a word out before they are interrupted by Malachi Black, who comes out. And spits the black mist into the face of Julia Hart.
0: How could you? Come on. Listen, Um, I love the mist, all right? I love, like, pa- Pack wrestling with both eyes blinded. I think that's just awesome. But poor little Julia Hart Um, should not be anywhere near this danger. And now she's going to be blinded. What did she do to deserve this blinding from, from this demon, the Satanist?
2: Well now we're gonna get maybe Julia Hart um uh, coming back with like vengeance. So she's gonna be blinded, right?
0: Is she gonna to have to wrestle with an eye patch?
2: There there's no way she can have vision if, if Pac does not.
0: Does she turn? Like, does she join Alistair Black? Does she join the House of Black?
2: I don't want this to become Alexa Bliss. No, I don't think that <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. That's what I do not want to see. <laughs> But do we get a dark, dark version of Julia Hart? Maybe maybe it's going to like screw up her whole psyche and she's going to believe she's a member of the Hearts now. <laughs> That's what the mist does. Yes. It makes you think you're <laughs> It has different effects on different folks. You lost your sight, Julia lost like her memory.
0: So who which of the Hearts will she be? Like, will she be, like, the Brit's generation or one of the grandkids? or, or Maybe, or maybe or like, Maddie's? every
2: week she'll be, like, a different one. She's going to come back next week as, like, Bruce. She will come back as Martha. Or, sorry, as Helen. As Helen Hart. The reincarnation of Helen Hart. <laughs> Let's move on. Right. Uh, Brian Danielson at John Silver is the main event. Uh, Silver comes out with the Dark Order. You know what I, I found to be a bit of a trend for all of these? Where, like, they would come out, except for MJF, they would come out, and it's, like, a subdued, like... You know, it's someone coming out and it wasn't until they said from Long Island. And then it's like then they would like embrace them. It's like they uh they need a confirmation of you better still be billed from here. Yeah, a reminder.
0: I mean, all they have to do is come out with an an Islanders hat or or jersey. No one did.
2: No one did. No, <laughs> no, no. Even they have their limit. Not, not a good night for the Islanders. Uh, Alan Angels is out here on crutches, and the whole play starts chanting Johnny Hungy at the beginning of this. And Brian Danielson just played a prick for the entire match. He is controlling silver and just playing with the crowd. Who's the best? Just doing all the heel antics. Uh, he's being counted in the corner. Come on, Johnny. And telling Bryce, I have until five. I mean, just all the, the classics here. Silver catches him in a heel hook, and Danielson has to kick his way free and dive towards the rope to get free. And then Silver hits him with a flurry of kicks, a German, but Danielson lands on his feet and lands a head kick, pronouncing too easy. He goes for the Busaiku knee, and it's countered with a roll-up. And then Silver lands a knee to the back of the head, bridging German by Silver, and goes for the spin doctor that is stopped with an eye rake. And Danielson beats him down with elbows and hits the gotch pile driver before he applies this submission which was not identified nor did they shoot it very clearly to be able to tell what he was doing so i didn't even get like a good sense of like what he was actually applying pressure to because they shot it like from behind
0: yeah it was hard to see from our vantage point but it looked like some sort of like grounded full nelson like it seemed like he was
2: and i think yeah like a half nelson or something yeah and with the gotch preceding it
0: i mean i took it less as like a reference to Minoru suzuki more of a reference to frank gotch himself you know Mm -hmm. so it almost feels like rather than like using like any sort of evidence Offense this time around, he was using some maybe catch. That that's how
2: it played. I I I would love the idea of like all these guys in the back that like are watching whatever, and it's like, who are you like? Who's really influencing you, Frank Gotch? I'm studying Frank Gotch for this heel run.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like I, it's it's totally
2: up his wheelhouse. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. He gets the submission win, and Danielson recaps. All the Dark Order members whose heads he has kicked in, going through Evil Uno, Colt, Angels, and now Silver, but realizes he has not yet kicked in John Silver's head, and I am a man of my word. And as he starts to stomp the head, Hangman Page runs down, Danielson retreats, and the show ends with Hangman proclaiming that next week, I'm going to stomp the cowboy shit out of you. So, great ending, I thought mm-hmm yeah um you know i'm like no
0: surprise of course like it's 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 the exact type of story that they've been telling and this was you know the last of a sequence heading into the match next week uh it it's been a really a- appealing set of matches leading up to a program
2: i was pretty upset though they i was i wanted to be surprised and i thought they should have given us the swerve that would have been so much better they have swerved us here Sean by,
0: by uh, Silver winning,
2: the, exactly. What.
0: Hometown guy winning, though.
2: I, I'm being sarcastic, and I know, I know I have to explain that. But it was I like for, for people that always claim about like, oh, it's so predictable. It's like you could have be- been like, there was no other finish to this match, and that's how it was built. There was no, there was no real like <laughs> doubt of any of these Dark Order matches for the last four weeks. Yeah, and they went know. through them, and you've built up the match that much more. I mean, having any of them
0: do well and at the, like beating bry would have taken away from the match like from your ultimate destination so i i mean that was never part of the consideration i'm sure um but yeah a very enjoyable episode of dynamite with a very electric audience especially for the njf punk segment
2: yeah like you brought this up in the in the news update this did not look like the biggest aew lineup for, for, for a dynamite i should uh stipulate but um, I, I thought like this show certainly like if you were just looking at the lineup and you know you tune in just out of habit boy I do I think you were rewarded on this show with so many things that were not advertised but that you got out of it from uh, the, the punk segment uh, the return of Trent and you know just it was a very easy show to watch as most dynamites are and you know it just seems like they they set up. Danielson and hangman with like kind of the final uh, touches on, on that program. I thought this was a very entertaining show. Hater and Reho had a great yeah. match too. You know, Knox, that? that was an excellent tag.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, enjoyable show as always.
2: All right, we'll move on over to the forum forum. where you can always leave your feedback after shows. We start off with Johnny. What's up guys. So this episode was pretty good. The Rio hater match started off a bit sloppy, but man, the last few minutes got me and it seems the crowd Got back into it. I was looking forward to Danielson and Silver, and it did not disappoint. I love the heavy focus of kicks in this match, and despite Brian winning, he let each Dark Order member shine. But the real highlight of the night—the announcement of the debut of Hook—I really hope he knocks it out of the park this Friday. And Fuego is the perfect opponent. Do you think that Malachi and the Varsity Blonde spot is set up to bring in Brody King to keep the tag te- to keep that tag team from Bola? Also, any surprises next week? Maybe Kyle reuniting with Bobby Fish.
0: Well, uh, I, I believe they have been doing some Brody King, Malachi Black teasing, um, you know, and and I think logically the biggest stage that they could bring that act to would be um, AEW uh, with Brody King probably needing a full time home after this. I think he is among the names that are most buzzed about coming out of that RH uh, current class that would make his way up to AEW. And if you're going to do a house of black stable, he probably would be the people's per, first choice. Um, so I could definitely see that happening. Can you, John?
2: Um, Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's certainly in the, uh, the
0: realm of possibility. Um, I don't know if this varsity blondes story necessarily is required to set. Like, I feel like they're already quite overpowered. I have to say like Malachi, like the varsity blondes are hardly the type of act you need to bring you know, extra numbers to help you face, right? So I—I I mean, it could, it could. You know, Julie Hart could be a, a a recruit as well. Um, Kyle O'Reilly, what do you think, John?
2: I mean, everyone's going to speculate about that, and I mean, the way that this program is going, like the idea of the the best friends and Adam Cole bringing together his best friends. I think like there's an easy entryway here. Uh, for for Kyle O'Reilly and I would say he is one that uh I think people are most uh curious about coming uh, off of Tuesday um in the in the immediate future. So, yeah, I mean that's I'm sure that it's going to be speculated upon over over the next week and if he doesn't arrive it's it's going to continue until people know what his destination is going to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you save that one for one of the big shows coming up? If he is if you you know, if we are getting a big debut
2: um it it depends i i don't i don't know if it really matters like which which week you do it I, I think it depends on what you have mapped out and where whatever program is is going on like you would naturally assume he's coming in, if he is coming in that you would attach him with 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 coal and fish and and play off of all of that so if they've got the the angle that is set to peak and you could he could arrive anytime we got a
0: jesse from the six who says what an opening promo from cm punk He managed to shut out Dennis Rodman and Barry Trotz. He insulted the Islanders and the Senators. You love to see it. It's amazing what municipal boundaries can do. The UBS Arena is a 22-minute drive from Arthur Ashe Stadium. Yet there, Punk was a hero and MJF was a bad guy. But I guess things are different in Nassau County. It makes you wonder if Wei Ting, beloved Scarborough icon, would be booed in Pickering. (sighs) Um... Okay, I know, I know what he's saying, but it's like there's something different, I think, when you're talking about um, New York. Like, I think things are just kind of different there, where, like, there's a real – there is unity, of course. I, I'm speaking for New Yorkers, but I feel like there is unity, but there's also, you know, rivalry between just a very small, um, uh, you know, uh, geographical limit. Um, so I think New York is just a different beast, but I could be wrong. I feel too many interruptions on this show. I think every single interview segment was interrupted before the subject could say two words. What do you think of the Black Mist? I get it's traditional wrestling staple, but it's nearly twenty twenty two. It's just too goofy for my taste.
2: Um, it's it's put into angles that are designed to be like semi like supernatural. At least that's how they've been 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 used of of late. I think it's all if you buy into the story or not. Like I I don't think it's all that goofy that now has a has an eye patch it's is what it is would you
0: prefer like him actually getting his eye gouged out in the middle of the match and some yeah that to
2: me like is way more sillier than you know this this uh foreign mist i it's all dependent on how you sell it and to me like wrestling
0: as an art form is is all about that you know like the the attack can look silly um but If you treat it as it's a serious thing, then I think to me that that is part of like, that's fair. Like I I can get into it, but I can understand why, though, Jesse might not like it.
2: Okay, MJ writes, hard to believe that was the same market Raw ran a few weeks ago last week. Uh, Great opening segment. Punk went on a bit too long, but wasn't repeating himself. Uh, His material was top notch. MJF's homecoming was fantastic to see. What a moment from hearing Ben's matzo ball soup and bagel boss shouted out the little things that made me proud. I know people who grew up with MJF. I know he was often gossiped about and sometimes mocked by peers for pursuing pro wrestling. Not the norm for kids in plain view. I'm sure tonight had real emotion for him and it was awesome to almost see it crack through. AEW has been aces with their treatment of stars in their hometown, and it is very cool to see each time. Rest of the episode was solid. Good story progression. Love what they seem to be pushing towards with Eddie and the Inner Circle Alliance and what I presume will be a Jericho program. Many fresh matchups.
0: Yeah, that is correct, actually. It makes a whole lot more sense why the Santana Ortiz affiliation occurred because of the Jericho thing. So thank Mm -hmm. you for that, MJ. Uh, MJ also in the chat says, Nassau County and Queens are extremely different, despite probably sharing the same wrestling fans. There you go. Finally, we got a mugging who says, Bizarro Land is a heel sanctuary. CM Punk's innate ability to read the room was on full display. He leaned into it by poking some fun on the Long Island crowd, and it paid dividends for MJF, who soaked up the hometown reaction, only to flip it during the Battle Royal. The rest of the show hummed along as it finished setting the table for Winter's Coming. Danielson Silver was a solid main event. Rio Hater had some scary spots, and Trent Barreto's return was solid.
2: All right. Thanks everyone. Thanks for the feedback and thank you for tuning in to the live edition of rewind a dynamite. So shout out to everybody in the zoom room. Uh, we will be back. Um, I don't know when I'll be back actually off the top of my head, but way will be here on Friday, Thursday, Friday,
0: Friday afternoon. Won't you be back?
2: That's right. I will be back. So Thursday way is doing the, uh, the new show one Eastern with Kate from Montreal and then MCU later on Thursday night for patrons Friday on the new show, at 1 Eastern, we will be joined by Benno. We thought on the eve of ROH Final Battle, there was no one else we could we could reach out to than Benno himself to chat the uh, the state of ROH, how we got to this this moment in ROH's uh, history, and looking ahead to the pay-per-view on Saturday, and whatever other news is going on. So uh, two great guests coming up the next two days. So 1 p.m. Eastern Time, bookmark it, youtube.com slash post-wrestling.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what else you got going on?
2: Oh, I left that opening for you to plug something that I figured you had, but nothing. Nothing. We're good. I think we 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 got it all pretty much.
0: Um. Oh, everybody should watch the Beatles uh, "Get Back" documentary. How long TV is it? Plus, it is eight hours, Sean. Oh, I I wouldn't even suggest it to you because I don't I don't know how how much of a Beatles fan you are. First of all, and I also know you don't have eight hours in you, so. It's it's but it's wildly fascinating. Like the amount of access, the amount of footage that is impeccably restored, first of all. Like technically, it's 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 incredible the amount of work they did to the video and the audio of this thing to sound crystal clear. But um just just an unprecedented look into just the creative process of these songs that have since become in the 50 years completely legendary. So, I'm making my way through it myself. It's How a, deep into long. it are you? I'm like I'm probably I would say I've got the concert left, so like maybe I'm probably like six hours, six seven hours in. And there's no
2: interviews, right? You're just a fly on the wall. Fly on the wall, completely. Yeah, I I, I will check this out. I have heard nothing but great things about it. I I, I'm I very much like the 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 style that I've heard like it's it's presented in. Yeah, yeah. The idea. I mean, it's Peter
0: Jack. Like, what's fascinating is that like you and I have like when you're working on small scale production it's, it, we often tend to work this way. We just like go and shoot a bunch of stuff without any real idea of what to do with it. And then it's in the edit room where like, you know, you try to piece all this together into some sort of narrative. And that's what Peter Jackson has to do with like these, uh, uh, something like 55 hours of footage and 150 hours of audio, try to piece
2: that together. And he came up with this eight hour thing. And it's, it's great to watch. All right. Well, uh, go check that out. That's our final plug. And we will <laughs> chat with you later this week.